Hi and welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. You've joined us for the Pick Um Show where Rob, JB and Aldrin pick their likely winners from the week's biggest ties and let them into the most exclusive club in football, Club Dub. Anyway, less talk and more action. On with the show. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast, where the only question is, does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! It's Thursday, gentlemen, which can mean only one thing. We are on the verge of Thursday night football. Maybe not such a huge thing for a UK fan, where it starts at... What time does it start? One in the morning, give or take? Where are we? Somewhere mm-hmm. there, aren't we? Yeah. Um, Quarter past one. But for all of the complaints I might have about certain football games being well out of our usual um, reach in terms of the time zone, what about the fact that we have back-to-back Wembley games and we're going to be talking about the Giants and the Packers? The surprising, well, I suppose the surprising Giants and the surprising Packers, although for very different reasons later on in this show. It, it's basically a barnstormer. Um, a barn burner is that the one? Um, yeah, we've got lots to get through. But before I throw over to you guys to basically tell everyone in listener land all the things they need to know, the game of the week, why it's a standout, and which of those teams is going to win and find their way into club dub. Um, you know what it is? It's the um, most loved quiz question in podcasting. Um, I'm going to start this week with a far more up-to-date, no Google, all noodle question. Question now, answer at the end. In the modern Super Bowl era, which quarterback has the best completion rate through four consecutive NFL games? So in the Super Bowl era, which quarterback has the best completion rate through four consecutive games? So there you go. We'll come back to that at the end. Um, but a great week, obviously, when you've got football in London, but also a number of interesting rather than blockbusting games to choose from. Aldrin, I'm coming over to you first. What have you picked out as your game of the week? Well, I've gone for a game that I think will be a barnstormer, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs against the Raiders. Um, and I think it's it's an interesting one because this past week saw them both get back on track a little bit, um, I think it's fair to say. So the Chiefs coming off against a devastating loss from the Indianapolis Colts. Very unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Raiders beating the Broncos and, you know, finally feeling like they'd maybe got a little bit of a handle on what that offense could or should be and how they want to play defense and just a little bit more cohesive a performance than they've had all year, really. So I think it's it's a good point for them to, they'd maybe both think it's a good point to come in. They've got a little bit of a feel good, but they both know that the other team is, beatable and potentially vulnerable in some areas. So I think they'll both go in with a bit of confidence. Um, I would say that the Chiefs probably come in feeling better about it. I think they did a real number on the Bucks the other night. Um, I know the scoreline may not suggest that, but if you watch the game, it's an entirely one-sided contest until it gets late and um, the Bucks 
put a few points up, but ultimately it was long gone that game. Um, the Raiders on the other side of that started to feel like they knew what they were doing on offense a little more, actually giving Josh Jacobs some carries and forcing him to be the guy because ultimately he's a top tier running back in my eyes and he put in a stellar performance. So I think overall both teams will be feeling good. Um, the chiefs. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I think the chiefs look great. Mahomes looked incredible the other night, absolutely unstoppable. Um, finding all of his receivers, not just Kittle that, is one of the things that we kind of talked about maybe a week or two ago when it seemed heavily reliant on Kittle being the guy. And that's Kelsey still the case. Being the guy. Uh, oh, Kelsey, yeah. Sorry. The other time threw me off. <laughs> Before me and James were talking about Kittle, it threw me off. Um, it's all your fault, JB. Yeah. So, it, and yeah, we, t- we talked about Kelsey being like their focal point and that has, that's still true. You know, at the weekend he was still heavily involved and he was still the go-to guy. But ultimately, Mahomes got Juju Smith-Schuster a little bit involved. Sky Moore got involved. You know, they weren't just limited to just Kelsey or just Mahomes finding some crazy play. You know, um, Edwards Hilaire was involved. And they just looked like they were spreading the offense around a little bit better than they have maybe the past couple of weeks. Um, So, yeah, I think they'll be on a very high high because they beat the Bucks, and ultimately although the Bucks didn't feel like they had a heck of a lot going on offense defensively they're still a very very solid unit and you know the Chiefs managed to put up 40 points on them so they'll be happy with that um and yeah the Raiders I think need to find a bit of consistency now I think head coach seems to know roughly what he wants but it's still not set in stone um so again, you just want to see Derek Carr take the game by the scruff of the neck a little bit more and kind of spread that ball around because in early kind of parts of the season, they just leaned on Devontae Adams and just threw him the ball. And then after that, they didn't throw him the ball at all. And it was all Darren Waller. So I think there just needs to be a bit more balance to that offense. It, you know, in each of the games, they relied heavily on, one individual playmaker to be the guy. And in certain cases that's worked, you know, Josh Jacobs did a great job the other night. Devonte Adams in week one did a brilliant job and put up hundreds of yards, but you've got to have that real balance. So I just, I think it could be a really, really great game because I don't think either team's D is brilliant. You know, I think they're, they're relatively solid and they can, they can do well on on opposition teams, but neither of them you would say are unbeatable. There's definite holes that you can pick in both. And both offenses have enough weapons to nullify some of that defensive frailties of the opposition team. So I think it could be a, a high scoring game and a really interesting to, one to watch because, you know, both teams will want and very much need a win. Yeah, I think the point you've just made about the Raiders is the one I pick would would pick up on. That whole thing about Devontae Adams that it was it was feast then famine. And and really neither the feast nor the famine worked. You kind of got the sense they really wanted to get him the ball. Then they appreciated that when he's double covered, is that opening opportunities for anyone else? 
And I think the problem with that is, although on paper, you know, it sounds a good idea, right? You know, if you've got one superstar player occupying defenders, who else is free? The reality is you can't have someone like Devontae Adams being there purely to occupy defenders. You've got to be confident enough and direct enough to put the ball, you know, some competitive throws where, you know, ultimately you just have to have faith that he's the guy who's going to go up and get the ball. But I think I think you're right that the Raiders, I mean, they should never have lost to the Cardinals. I mean, that was that was unbelievable. It felt like they got the recipe right at the weekend. Here's my only kind of slight caveat to this is that as much as I think they probably have got a bit of feel good, it's a long way back from one and four if they lose to the Chiefs. You know, if they'd have beaten the Cardinals and we were talking about Raiders at two and two, I'd feel very differently. If they go one and four, I think that puts them under an awful lot of pressure. I think they've got teams coming up in their schedule that, again, on paper and, and even based on what I've seen so far this season, they should beat. But um, but yeah, I just wonder if one and four will be on their minds in a way that it just isn't for the Chiefs. You know, even when they've had bad starts, they feel like they've got ample amounts of firepower to get themselves out of those situations. Um, for a game that's going to be absolutely dominated by offences, I agree with you. I think Chandler Jones needs to have a bigger game. He, Max Crosby's been good. Chandler Jones hasn't really kind of got going the way I suppose they hoped in terms of putting pressure on a quarterback. I think the pass rush could be critical if the Raiders do want to keep Mahomes at least quiet enough. Um, but yeah, probably right up there. Really good pick for game of the week because it's right up there for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's got a lot of potential to it we talked a bit about the Chiefs last week after the uh, shocking loss to the Colts sorry Aldrin and it really felt like the Chiefs team that came out to take the field this previous week really came out with those specific complaints in mind like everything they talked about that held them back against the Colts was right there against the Bucks. It was like very much in your face and it very much felt like that comfortable old Chiefs that we know of just, we are just going to smack you in the face and smack you in the face with offense and just keep going and keep going and keep going. The Raiders, I mean, the Josh McDaniels experiment didn't, didn't necessarily hit the ground running. It more hit the ground from a fair height um, and whether it's just taking time to instill kind of a new culture and a new idea of what he wants, whether it is just the fact that maybe previous head coaches have overachieved with that Raiders squad. Maybe it's just not as, as good as it could be even taking into account the Devonte Adams aspect of everything. I thought Josh Jacobs had a fantastic game um, in the past weekend and maybe the first time he was really featured as, as the proper back and given the opportunity to show what he can do. There was a lot of discussion like in before the season about maybe the Raiders were looking to, to minimize him. Maybe they were looking to move on from him and the weekend's just gone. That felt like an absolute mistake. So I think for the Raiders to really go this week, they need to go through Jacobs. They need to run the ball really again, hit the Chiefs and see if you can use the run to then open up a bit more of what Derek Carr is comfortable with because that that's the, like we've talked about Carr 
a lot. He's got his pluses. He's got his negatives. You know, he's always very much uh, hesitant to really push the ball down the field. And to get the best out of a quarterback like that, you have to exist within his comfort zone. But it's getting him comfortable without letting on to the defence that that's what you're doing, which would be an interesting thing to see if the Chiefs can react to. Yeah, it feels that atypical balance, doesn't it, where they need a good balance of run and pass to have their best players playing at their best. You know, it it feels like that would complement each of them, you know, so very well, particularly Adams. And and I mean, Adams isn't their only pass-catching threat, is he? I mean, we've, we've talked about Waller. Um, I think Aldrin mentioned him earlier. I like Renfro as well. So Renfro, I I was going to say, they're really not short of them, are they really? I mean, the the supporting cast should be good enough to get involved. Um, But actually, just quickly, just to reflect that, Aldrin, I think you were right to suggest that we've talked about the problems on Tuesday's show, didn't we? The Rams and how everything seems to go through Cooper Cup. I do think it feels pretty ominous if the, the Chiefs are now starting to spread the ball about particularly if the Chiefs are running the ball. I mean, the Chiefs are one of those odd examples of a team that I don't really necessarily need to run the ball well to play well on offense. Um, but if they are, I think that only adds to the mix. Edwards Hilaire is a funny running back, isn't it? I'm never quite sure how good he really is, but certainly they they use him well at times. And, and Andy Reid, you know, as creative as he is, you've got to imagine there'll be things planned for the Raiders. Because this... You know, for as much as this is a tale of two very different records, it's still a real strong rivalry, isn't it? More than a divisional game. It is two mm-hmm. fierce rivals really battling for what could be the story of the season so far. So nice. I mean, I don't know. I think I know which way you're going to go, Aldrin. And, and if we agree, then it avoids, you know, me me picking out any additional music, doesn't it? But, but go on, see if you surprise me. I'd love to hear who you think is going to end up in club dub. Yeah, I don't think this one's going to be contentious this week. I am going to put the high-powered offense of the Kansas City Chiefs into club dub this week. Look at you, Audra, making a one and four Raiders a reality. And I mean, that is... I don't know, I, I keep going back to that Cardinals game. How do you give away that lead with so much... So little, sorry, time left and so much of a lead on the scoreboard. Um, But I mean, it really is something. It feels like the Raiders are going to have to dig themselves out of a hole. I'm with you. I think it'll be the Chiefs. But um, yeah, the story of the Raiders could be an interesting one where we're recapping things on Tuesday. So the Chiefs feel like kind of weekly entrance into club dub almost, JB. Are you going to surprise me with your game of the week and the team you end up putting in? Where are we heading to next? Well, you have already hinted for the listeners as to where we are heading. Uh, we are, we're not heading to Sesame Street. We're heading to High Road for a game that is brought to you by the numbers 32 and 1 and the letters MVP and TBD, because we are talking about the uh, international series game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium between the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers. It's brought to us by the 32 because this is the 32nd international series game in London. The Green Bay Packers complete the trick now as the 32nd team to play in it. Nice. But this is the first game in 32 to feature two teams with a winning record. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. 
Wow. It is the, the three and one Giants and the three and one Packers, and it is the first time with a winning record on both sides, which says an awful lot about the caliber of games that we get in London. A lot of it, I think, comes down to the fact that the Jags play almost regularly. In the <laughs> so Jags a lot are. of that's down to the Jags. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're doing better this year. That's not Certainly what we're talking are. about here. Certainly. We are talking about the opportunity to watch on one side of the ball, on one side of the field, one of the greatest players at his position that we have ever seen. We get to watch multi-time MVP, potential future multi-time MVP, maestro with the ball, Aaron Rodgers versus whoever it is that the Giants end up putting in, because it's almost certainly not going to be Daniel Jones. It's almost certainly not going to be Tarod Taylor, which means based on current options, it's going to be potentially a combination of Davis Webb, AJ McCarron and Jake Fromm. And wow. I think the anticipation for the game kind of hinges a little bit on that. But I'm still not quite ready to just declare this as a Packers blowout because the Giants have been feistier than expected. I wouldn't necessarily put them up in that kind of Jags-Lions category that we've talked about of just unexpectedly entertaining and borderline threatening at times. But the Giants have got a 3-1 record for a reason. They've got a winning record for the first time in a very, very long time for a reason. And I think it's, again, we talked about Josh McDaniels setting the culture in Las Vegas for the Raiders. Brian Dabble, I think, has set the culture in New York right from the very beginning. And we can go back to week one and him getting right in Daniel Jones's face when, you know, when it looked like Jones was about to throw the game away. He comes back in, leads the leads the Giants to victory. So I think there is a certain never say die, not not again, not necessarily on the same lines as the Lions, but a team that kind of want to win and want to do the best that they can. Whereas we've got a Packers team that aren't firing on all cylinders and and they're winning, but they're not necessarily looking like the Packers that we would expect to. And whether that's just because they've, they've kind of bled skill position players kind of at the wide receiver position and Aaron Rodgers needs a bit of time to like coach them up as to what he wants or whether they've just not really done what they need to do because we identified in the, in kind of the, uh, the recap show about how improved the Packers were in the second half last week. And a lot of that I think came on the back of Aaron Jones and I'm going to go Andre Dillon who were just knifing through the, the defensive line, knifing up the, up the field, like a knife through hot butter. And that's what the Packers need to play. And I think they almost need to, get away from that kind of thing of don't put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands. Don't put everything on his shoulders, use the run and then let Rodgers get into a rhythm and use that magic. It's, it's weird I said to be talking about this as, as a first time ever game. It's, it's great for us being in the crowd and being able to watch the Packers and being able to say, we've seen Aaron Rodgers and it's, got a lot of potential but it's got a lot of potential for me to go either way in terms of this could be uh, a three and out three and out three and out three and out etc 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 kind of snore for a lot of it or this could be a everyone goes out and just absolutely leaves everything on the field 
I think it feels a pity that we don't have first or second string QBs playing for the Giants in in all likelihood. I mean, as we talked, just didn't we, about the Raiders? And I think if the Raiders do go one and four, they would be one of the best one and four teams in terms of roster, in terms of talent, in terms of potential that I think I've I've seen in a good few years. The Packers, or I mean, I suppose the Giants, could maybe be the reverse of that. Um, the Packers are, well, the only thing that seems Packers-esque this season about them is their record. They are spluttering on offense. I think about how they raced into, was it a 14-point lead? Two great drives to open up against the Bucks a couple of weeks back and did literally nothing else. I mean, it didn't even seem to be able to manage the clock on drives or do anything really productive after that. The oddity of the game against the Patriots um, I, I don't know. I just don't see it. The weird thing is, as much as the Packers keep winning and could well win this weekend and go four and one, I think they're a lot further away from them being a, a dangerous playoff team than I imagine they'd be going into this season. I, I think there are a number of things that aren't right. The Giants, I don't think, are good enough. I don't think they have a roster with enough talent. But it's interesting that it's a similar point to the Raiders that you just made, Aldrin. I think what they are doing is they're maximizing their best players. And I think their best player in New York is Saquon Barkley. And he finally looks like the absolute superstar running back that you can build an offense around. And, you know, if you get your best performances out of your best players, the most dangerous players on the field, you know, sometimes that formula can give you a chance. So, yeah, I mean, I do fear for how entertaining this game might be. I think we've we've seen you know, not only in London, but, you know, generally speaking, what can happen when you are at a third string quarterback or drafting in a quarterback, pulling somebody in from the practice squad, those kind of things. It can end up being pretty, you know, pretty tepid. But, um, but you know, fingers crossed. And like I say, if nothing else, we get to see one of the greatest ever to throw the ball, throw the ball. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it, really? It's going to be all about Aaron Rodgers this game and, I th- I think the I guess the worrying thing for the rest of the league is that they've not quite figured it out yet Green Bay you know particularly the receivers they've not built that connection with Rodgers yet you get the sense that Rodgers at times gets frustrated with some of these young untried rookies not being in the right spot or not making simple grabs that he throws up into the breadbasket but it does feel like one of those things that they'll get it you know, across the season. And the fact is they're still winning, you know, they're still, you know, beating good teams on occasion. Um, So I think the more connection that players like um, Romeo Dobbs and others build with Rodgers and when they start cleaning up some of those mistakes, it could be quite ominous. I mean, I'm a big fan of Tunyon and Lazard, I think they're very good in that offense. Um, and I mean, Aaron Jones is an unreal back, really one of the best in the leagues, in my opinion. Um, flip side, Saquon Barkley is probably the best running back in the league this year by a long way. I think, you know, I think we saw flashes of Derek Henry at the weekend um, being his old self, getting 100 plus yards and touchdowns. Um, my Jonathan Taylor has not done it at all this year. And then beyond that, you know, you're, you're struggling to name some of those 
greater backs. You know, normally Alvin Kamara and players like that are in the equation and they're really not this year. So I think if Saquon can stay healthy, then he is an incredible force. My worry is with, you know, Jones out, they're going to lean on Saquon more. And that didn't end well a couple of years ago when they just force fed him the ball at every play and then he ends up getting injured. Um, So that's my only worry for him. But yeah, it might not be as good as we could have hoped if Daniel Jones was fit, because regardless of what you think about Daniel Jones, he's a middling starting quarterback, at least when you're drilling down into practice squads and people that have been on the curb for the last couple of months, it's, it's never as good, but, um, but yeah, either way we get to see Aaron Rodgers and hopefully he brings out some magic. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you made a point I didn't make about if Green Bay get it right on offense because the defense isn't bad. I mean, it's been a bit up and down, but I mean, yeah, but it hasn't really. Solid I mean, enough. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it feels like a top 10 defense. So do you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Green Bay. I mean, I think they'll make the playoffs again and maybe I just need to get used to the fact they're maybe not doing it the way that I'm used to. Um, Lazard and Cobb, I don't know. I don't know. Cobb actually looks better than I expected, but I expected so little, I, I guess, is the problem. But I think against oh, yeah. better teams, they could get found out. Um, you know, players like Dobbs, I think, is if you saw him in preseason, mm. he, I don't know, we keep using the same analogy, but he was very feast or famine. Either yeah, dropped the yeah. ball, but when he caught it, he was electric. And that's that's kind of where I mean, if they tidy up those mistakes and he stops yeah. dropping the ball... Yeah. When he's got the ball, he's lightning. So it's, it's um, when that clicks that it could be yeah. a worry. I mean, a weird reference, but it's the chat we had obviously off pod, but on Sunday when you and I were sat watching the Saints about Callaway, you know, there's a few of these players in the league that you look yeah. at some of the catches they can make and you think this guy's a future superstar. And then you look at some of the route running and some of the, I don't know, you just look at some of the basics, the ability to get separation, how they get, you know, really shut down by better corners. And then you, you know, there's a couple of these players where if they can make a step, probably don't only elevate their own career trajectory, but probably bring the team with them. And yeah, maybe that's fair when it comes to Dobbs as well. So I, I'm looking forward to it. I always do. I am fearful this weekend though, but, but JB, you've got this as your game of the week. So maybe I don't need faith in Aaron Rodgers or Saquon Barkley. I just need faith in you. If you think that this is the game of the week, maybe I should follow. And so are you going to put, of the two, three, and one teams, a quarterbackless, talent-free uh, Giants team in Club Dub? Or are you going to put the Green Bay Packers coming off a great narrow victory in overtime with possibly the greatest quarterback to ever play the game? It's a tough call, JB, but I know you can make it. I have concerns over this game featuring the MV, like MVP and, and potential one of the greatest of all time versus last week when Rob was like, yeah, I'm I'm all in. Kirk Cousins is going to give us a really exciting game. Should, I am putting. Say, the... I think come Monday morning, you'll be agreeing with me that Viking Saints was far better a game than Packers Giants. But you know, I was I was about to offer you a bread based wager on that, but there's no point because whatever happens, I'm gonna I'm gonna decide whatever I want. Um, oh, okay. On point, I am. Uh... <laughs> There is a certain element of a fairy tale story here of Davis Webb coming off the practice squad and leading the New York Giants to victory. 
but I don't think it's going to happen. So um, go pack, go into club dub. Well, aren't we being wildly outlandish with our predictions this week when we put the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs into Club Dub? Yeah, <laughs> putting two former Super Bowl winners in. <laughs> exactly. What a shock. Yeah, two former Super Bowl winning quarterbacks with uh, Super Bowl contending teams have found their way into Club Dub. So it leaves it for me to be, um, I was about to say outlandish, but I think the word that's been used more often recently is um, dramatic. So let's go with that. So having wrestled with potentially taking games like the 49ers and Panthers, um, which I think might, despite all the talk to the contrary, could be must win for Matt Rule. Really down on Matt Rule all of a sudden, aren't we, on this podcast? Or maybe it's just me. Um, I have decided to go with a far more sensible bet. I'm going with what I think is Sunday night football and the Baltimore Ravens hosting the Cincinnati Bengals. So I talked about the Ravens last week because it was Ravens-Bills, and I said, wouldn't it be amazing if the Bills, who looked nigh on unbeatable through two weeks of the season, ended up 2-2? Two and two? And they very nearly did. I thought the Ravens did a lot of things very well, and I thought actually the Bills, despite the fact that neither of these teams were as uh, high-scoring or as free-flowing as they've been in previous weeks, I thought there was an awful lot to like from both teams, both sides of the ball, both coaching staff. I, I just think it had everything about it. It had the feel of a game that deserved to be ultimately a playoff game rather than a regular season game with two teams playing that well. But anyway, it was the Ravens who've ended up two and two. And now they get to play, can we call them a resurgent Bengals? I'm not quite sure we got quite so heady in our praise on our recap show on Tuesday. But certainly a Bengals team who've put a few um, numbers in the win column. Anyway, here's what it comes down to for me. The Cincinnati Bengals need to keep Joe Burrow upright. They need to give him time. And even if we move beyond Joe Burrow and the passing game... I think they need to create lanes for the likes of Joe Mixon to truly start to find a groove and hit their stride this season. However, when you think about the challenge of protecting your quarterback and keeping him upright, I think that's the kind of thing that John Harbour and the Baltimore Ravens will just love. They will love game planning for that type of game, that type of opportunity. Now, I say that Burrow's important, not because I don't think there is a defensive story to tell here, but I just think the way that Lamar Jackson is playing at the moment and the way he's able to really get lots of different pieces in that offense, lots of no name and not superstar name wideouts putting up reasonable numbers and a running game that he obviously supports probably more than any other quarterback in the league. I just think the way they're playing, they'll put up points. So in my mind, here's the conundrum. If the Ravens are putting up 30, 32, 35 points, are the Bengals going to be able to keep pace with that? And I think we've seen performances so far this season that absolutely say yes, and performances so far this season that say absolutely not. The margin for error 
is a lot smaller when you play against the good teams. And I'm thinking about the sacks, the handling errors from Chase, you know, the little things that they might have gotten away with at the weekend that I don't think they'll get away with against Baltimore. Um, Having said that, um, when we look at what the Bengals did at the tail end of last season, one of the things that impressed me about Joe Burrow is that he seemed to perform best when the lights were shining brightest, you know, in the big games, in the big pressure moments, think about all those second half comebacks that he had during the playoffs. Maybe if you follow that narrative, this is set up for a wonderful Bengals performance and for us to completely flip 180 on where we think Cincinnati, or at least where I think Cincinnati can go this season. That's what makes it interesting, but also I must say that's what makes it for me entertaining. I think this might even eclipse Chiefs Raiders and truly be the game of the week. I I am paying close attention to this as I would with any AFC North game. And let's talk about the Bengals first because the Bengals need to build on last week and they need a good performance here and not just to keep the momentum going, but also to avoid slipping in that AFC North arms race, whatever we're going to call it, the race for the race for the title, because at the moment, everything looks like it's going to come down to, is it going to be the Bengals or is it going to be the Ravens? Barring some kind of miracle, it won't be the Steelers and the Browns. uh, The, the Brown season is a wash. The Browns are playing for next year. Say no more about that. Um, You are, you're right in what you've called out there. And it's the same problem. It's the same key points that the Bengals have had all week. It's keeping Joe Burrow upstanding to distribute the ball. It's running the ball with Joe Mixon to get him back in the groove. And it's using Lamar chase more though. Those are the three keys to victory. And if they can execute those things and they started to show that they could do some of that last week, continue to build on it and grow. And then you've got a victory from the Ravens. I think the problems are potentially deeper than just what the record says, because so we talked about the fact that the, one of their players had to essentially be escorted from the field at the end of the game because he was going to punch his coach in the face. And John Harbaugh is a coach that we like here on the club dub football podcast. Even I will admit John Harbaugh is a very, very good coach. And one of the things about him is very much that he, they talk about he's a player's coach. He's got his speeches. He's got his props that he use. He kind of brings everyone together. And if, there is a crack in that team around what they think of him. That is a snowball. They do not want to get out of hand. They also need to put in a better performance to show that Lamar Jackson has put those kind of gremlins has put those criticisms aside because as much as you can say for Lamar's talent on the field, and I'm I'm not going to lie this week, he's very, very talented at what he does you still have those problems of the fact that can he win a a close game? Can he retain his head in the pressure? That pick from the second pick from Jordan Poyer at the weekend was a dagger that absolutely killed the Ravens. And you could see it as Jackson walked off. It was a combination of frustration and surprise because he couldn't quite work out what had happened. And 
You talk about good quarterbacks being the kind of quarterback that make a mistake, come back to the sideline. And by the time you go back out again, that's gone. That was something that happened previously. It's in a completely new ball game now. And you sometimes get the feeling that Jackson can't do that. He clings to the mistakes that he has made and they influence the problems that happen afterwards. The Ravens need to do a better job of eliminating that to beat a Bengals team that, again, may not be surging. Maybe they're pulsing. Follow that, Aldrin. A, yeah, a pulsing, say, a pulsing raven. I was going to say that isn't the, the sentence I would have ended it on, but okay, um, I'll take it from there. Um, it's a fascinating game. I think you picked an absolute cracker. Um, as much as JB is down on Lamar in some instances, and I know you said he's a very good player, but I mean, I think this year the guy's having an MVP type season. You know, yeah, the guy's yeah. putting in mammoth numbers in terms of, you know, touchdowns, rushing. I, I think the thing is, he's not just this year. He's not just rushing the ball. He's finding the end zone with passes. Um, I think some of the stuff from the other night wasn't necessarily just on him, though. You know, play calling and situational awareness wasn't great. I didn't think some of the, you know, when they could have gone for the the field goal instead mm. of going for a, you know, a kind of really pushing it for a touchdown. I mean, I think, you know, maybe you just play a bit safe and I know they're not known for that. And they, they made a couple of those sorts of mistakes last year where they went for it all rather than being pragmatic and taking the situation as it was. And, yeah. you know, you can't pin that on Lamar Jackson. That's that's play calling and creating the situation. Um, and I know you go, oh, well, we trust our players to make plays and you, that's fine. But at some points you need to take ownership for being sensible. You know, you have to make sensible play calls. That might not be the glitzy, glamorous, fancy, great end zone touchdown and we can all celebrate. But at the end of the day, if you take the three and it puts you in a position to win, then that's the play you should be going for rather than killing your drive and killing your game. So I think some of that is is a little bit around that. Um, there's still a lot of question marks around some elements of the Ravens game. I thought J.K. Dobbins had probably his best game. Um, I thought he looked brilliant. Um, and yeah, the Bengals are an interesting one because, you know, I called it last week and I thought they would beat the Dolphins with or without Tua. You know, I think it would it was close, but I, I thought the Bengals would win this year. Uh, this week, I'm not so convinced because I think Jackson is a very different beast. Um, and I don't see them containing him enough in order to keep it close enough that the Bengals can take the win. If that makes sense, yeah. because I think the Bengals need it to be close mm. in order to give Burrow a chance of success. And I'm not convinced that the, the Bengals defense is strong enough to stop the weapons that the Ravens have. Um, so that would be my take. But yeah, yeah uh, I think I agree with you. I think that was kind of what I was striking for. I, I think, I guess to summarise what I was saying earlier, I don't think if the Bengals play 
to an average level, they've got a hope in hell. You know, I think the Bengals have to play yeah, really yeah, well to have a chance yeah. in this game. And, and you know, like I said, in the, the Dolphins win, I, I didn't think they had to do really all that much. And we've seen this week on week, you know, there are good teams who don't have to find high gears in order to beat lesser teams. I just think the Bengals would have to do something special this week. Um, JB, you made some interesting points. I mean, the questions about Lamar definitely exist. I'm with Aldrin. I think he's having an amazing... I mean, the guy wants a big money contract and he's playing like a guy who's going to get big money. But there are question marks about him, you know, at the sharp end of important games. Um, Less of a question mark to me was the John Harbour one. I think you could have five players up in arms at John Harbour and it just feels like that's something he deals with. It, It just feels like he is impenetrable in that regard. A bit like Belichick even, you know, that there can be disgruntled voices, but they can go. And it will be the 50 guys that remain who'll put in the work Monday to Friday and turn up on a Sunday. So I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm underplaying it. Um, but yeah, I, I like John Harbour and I like how he improves teams through the season. And if this team improves the level, I think they're already at goodness me. I mean, two and two, forget that they are absolutely in a different league to teams like the three and one Packers and the three and one Giants. When this schedule starts to even out and more teams have played more good, more bad, more indifferent along the way, I think the records will show that the Ravens are about as good as the NFL has along with the bills. Um, my question mark is more, maybe the Bengals. Um, have I given too much away? I think I probably have, haven't I? So I'll make my decision nice and quick and clear. Um, we can avoid the circus music and all the fun and games because this week, I mean, it's just three for three. It's just absolutely as you'd imagine. I'm going to put the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson into club dub. So, gentlemen, um, we've covered London. We've covered the highlight of the NFL slate. What we haven't done yet is answered the toughest quiz question in podcasting. Um, no Google, all noodle this week asked. In the Super Bowl era, who has the highest completion rate through four consecutive games? So in the history of the NFL type question, because I'm not sure anyone pre-Super Bowl era would be particularly high on this measure either. It's just nobody was counting, right? So um, you've got to give me one name. Um, JB, do you want to go first this week? No, you don't. Yeah, All right, fair Aldrin, enough. Aldrin was calling first. Aldrin was 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 poised. Well, it's only because I'm I'm pretty certain that I know because oh, I on, think I read on. it the other day. Oh, go on. But it's Geno Smith. Is it not? Is incorrect. Ah, oh, I was convinced it was him. <laughs> Although there is there is a, a reason that it's well, I'll talk you through it in a minute. JB, your guess. I'm going to change the guess that I had. And I am going to suggest that this is the most bang average quarterback currently starting in the NFL regularly, Kirk Cousins. I can't believe I offered you both a quizzing open goal. And you passed it. I mean, up. if it's not, is it Tom Brady? It's like, Tom Brady. If yeah. it's not Geno, yeah. Smith, it's, it's Tom Brady. I was right? convinced um, that it was <laughs> Geno Smith because, yeah, no. like, I'm sure somebody so, mentioned it the other day. Yeah, no. So the one. So this is kind of why I went for it. Um, the stat that is everywhere, all over the internet at the moment, is through the first four games of a season, 
Geno Smith has the highest completion rate of any Okay, so that's what I heard. Um, which was 77.8, I think. Um, yeah, and the stat that I saw and I really loved is that even if Geno Smith was to throw the next 34 downs he plays straight into the ground, he would still have a better completion rate than Russell Wilson so far this season. That was my favorite yeah. stat. But yeah, Geno Smith has been doing the rounds for the most through four games in the NFL season earlier on uh, this year. Tom Brady's were not the first four of a season, but were four consecutive games in 2007. So that amazing 2007 Patriots team. But amazing that in NFL history, um, Tom Brady leads um, what? Geno Smith by 1.2%. And that could all change this week. Um, the record for more consecutive games played as we head into week five. I, I don't know. The sky is the limit now, as far as I'm concerned for Geno Smith. All bets are off. And I do love that little thing that the media have taken to. For all of you who wrote off Geno Smith, he's not writing you back. I don't know who coined that first. Scott said it at the weekend. I've seen it a number of times on social media since, and I love it. So as much as this was a Tom Brady question. It was really just to showcase Geno Smith and the utterly bonkers year he's having in Seattle. Um, There you go. It was the greatest of all time. You should have known, right? Um, But wonderful to have your company, gentlemen. Thursday. So what's this? Only three more sleeps till we find ourselves in London. Yeah, three more sleeps till we find ourselves in London watching Aaron Rodgers. I can't wait. And that means it's probably only Five more sleeps till we're back here doing this again next Tuesday. But thank you for your company, Gold Standard Podcasting. And um, for all of you in listener land, thank you so much for listening to the Club Dub Football Podcast. We'll see you all again in the best part of a week's time. Thanks, Rob. Thanks a lot. This is amazing. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends. The game is over!